I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Zach Braziller from the New York Post, college expert extraordinaire to uh, help you out with your brackets and impart some knowledge. Hey, Zach, how are you? What's up, Lori? How are you? How are you? I'm doing well. Um... So I always start off this time of year on Selection Sunday, and usually we're talking about the biggest snubs, and it's not usually the local team. In this case, the big story, if there's a snub, when when Jerry Palm or uh, Joe Lenardi um, are getting 67 of the 68 teams right that they guessed in their brackets, and the one they got wrong is Rutgers, uh, it, it does seem like that is a story. And granted, you can always, you know, teams should always do more and all that. But let's start there. Is what happened with Rutgers, and um, do you feel like legitimately they were a snub? I don't think they were snubbed. I, look, I, a lot of people thought they were in. I thought they were in. I thought they were going to Dayton. But I, you have to look at the the whole body of work here. They had four four bad losses, four quadrant three losses. And then they have a non-conference schedule that was ranked 342nd out of 363 teams in the country. So while I think Rutgers, I expected them to go to Dayton, and I thought they should have got in, I, I wouldn't call it a snub because, look, you have a lot of bad losses and you didn't schedule, schedule well. It's hard to, to me, it's hard to really complain about it. And look, they, they got in last year. They had a net ranking of 80, the lowest ever. So last year, they probably didn't deserve to get in, and they got in. And maybe this year they deserve to get in, or at least get to date in, and they didn't. Yeah, so, well, as you said, last year, net ranking of 80. This year, net ranking of 40. In other words, you know, according right. to net ranking, 40th best team in the country, 68 picks. They're not getting there. And I understand what you're saying. Absolutely I mean, the story of it, maybe it even is, there are bad losses, and then there's that Minnesota loss. You just can't lose to a team that is that dreadful. Um, It's a one-point loss, but that's a terrible loss. But the flip side of it would say, you know, what do you say to the people who who say Rutgers win at Purdue, you know, at the time number one ranked and a number one seed in the tournament – Rutgers at Purdue might be the one, you know, it's one of the best wins overall of the year. Yeah, look, I, that's fair. And I, I, and I think you could really make, you know, you can argue either way. I think just, you know, my, my overriding point is just they put themselves in this position with the way they schedule with some of these bad losses to where they, they, you know, they were in danger if of this happening. And, you know, we can say it's a snub. We can say they should have gotten in. But I think you also have to look at it, you know, this way. They, they, you mentioned they lost games they really couldn't lose. They, they finished. Now, the committee says how you finish, how you, you know, start doesn't matter. It's the whole body of work. But they clearly weren't at their best late. You know, they, they lost one of their starters, and they, they lost six of eight to finish the season. And one thing the committee does say is 
the team you're going to have in the tournament, they're going to evaluate. So maybe the committee evaluated what they saw from Rutgers with their current team and felt they weren't, weren't deserving. I think that's another factor we have to look at. The Rutgers snub thing you're saying, which I hear you, you can always do more. Um, there are teams certainly from lesser conferences, uh, whether that's Nevada and others that you can look at and say um, lesser, you know, don't have the same quality of wins, of quad one wins that Rutgers has. So I guess I'm going to keep calling it a snub. I hear that you're not. Um, but um, if we are talking about impact, I did say I also think it is a, it, you know, there's no sugarcoating that it is a gut punch for Rutgers, Steve Peichel, and the program. And, yes, they had a good recruiting year. Yes, the program is on the upswing. I think he's a very good coach who's good, really good. At, he's a gentleman. He's good at player development. All of that is positive. But there's something, too. There's a big difference between being one, you know, one of the last couple of teams out and even if you just get to Dayton and you lose there, the momentum as a program for Rutgers to be able to say um, and, and to sell to recruits, like, yeah, we go to the NCAA tournament every year. We're building something. It's consistent. Um, does that matter? Yeah, 100% it matters. You know, this is, this is, this is you know, March is what matters in college basketball. Right. You know, obviously, you know, you want success. You want national rank and all that stuff. But March is what matters. And to not be part of the tournament definitely hurts. It definitely hurts because it wasn't so long ago. I thought they had a chance to be a five seed or even a four seed right. um, back even a month to six weeks ago. So yeah, no, it, it, it's clearly a blow to what they're doing there. And and I, I don't I don't want to make too big of a deal out of it because you know they have really built something nice there. They they nearly made the Sweet Sixteen two years ago. They made the tournament last year. They had a really good you know first maybe I don't know sixty five seventy percent of this season and until everything kind of went, went sideways. But no, it, it definitely hurts. It, there's no question about it, especially when, you're in, especially when you're in a position to where you really should make the tournament and where they just kind of had to do the bare minimum and it just didn't happen. You know, if you go, instead of two, if you, instead of two and six down the stretch, if you go three and five or even four and four, you're not even worrying about this. You're not even worrying about dating. So I, it, there's no question and this is something that's going to stick with them through the offseason. Um, and as you said, I guess uh, I, I know it's hard and hard for a lot of teams, but the um, non-conference strength of schedule, you just got to uh, schedule better. Um, if you're gonna yeah, look, that's, that. that's something he's, he's been, you know, he obviously has a philosophy of, you know, he feels like scheduling soft in the non-conference builds confidence. And he, and look, last year they had a bad schedule and they got in and didn't matter. This year they had a bad schedule and they didn't get in and probably did matter. Um, I don't know if he's going to change his philosophy. It probably won't. But I, I just I just think you hurt yourself by not scheduling better. I, um, I always think back to what Kevin Willard did at Seton Hall. He always scheduled incredibly hard and it paid off in March um, in terms of the committee and in terms of just preparing your team and, and all that. But look, Steve Peichel's done a really good job. He knows more about program building than me, obviously. So I, I, even though they didn't get it this year, I don't think Rutgers fans should be jumping off bridges here. Um, 
talking to Zach Braziller about Selection Sunday, March Madness, and you mentioned you were thinking Rutgers, a local, um, maybe, you know, seated as high as a four or five even earlier in the season. Well, one local that was seated fourth, UConn, and a fascinating first-round matchup. You know, they love putting these sort of things together where they can with storylines, and so you've got Iona and Rick Pitino, Danny Hurley, and UConn. Um, to kind of break down this juicy matchup for us. I mean, it, it really is fascinating. Look, Danny Hurley is, is really doing a good job at UConn. He's recruiting really well, but he has not experienced more success there. That's the one thing. Last two years, they lost in the Big East Tournament semifinals. They lost at the higher seed the NCAA tournament. This year, they lost again in the Big East Tournament semifinals. Now here they are with a four seed, a nine-point favorite. But then, look, I know it's a good team. I was up in Atlantic City yesterday. They're a good team. They have very good guard play. They're obviously incredibly well coached. They play really hard. They press. It's, it's going to be really interesting. And just to add another layer to that, you have rumors that Rick Pitino's, you know, very interested in becoming the next coach of St. John's. Then you have Danny Hurley, who could have been the, the coach of St. John's eight years ago, but they instead hired Chris Mullen and really wanted the job. So you have the guy who St. John's had said should have been the coach, against the guy who they hope is going to be their future coach. <laughs> and I saw you were posting it, others, um, you know, comments that Patino was asked about. And obviously he's not, you know, right now, as he said, he's, he's got to prepare his team to win. He's got an Iona team in the tournament. So he's not really going to seriously address the rumors. But I did think it was interesting when he talked about winning and so what did, how did you interpret what he said, and should that give St. John's fans pause or concern that he may not be serious about the St. John's job? I think he was, I think number one, he was trying to be extra positive about Iona because they did give him a shot when nobody else would, when he was, you know, engulfed in scandal and all that, and, and they gave him a, you know, a, a lifeline back to college basketball. I also think he was kind of sending a message to St. John saying, look, you want me, I'm interested, but if you want me, you have to do everything possible to win. I'm not coming there just to, you know, just to go there. I, if, if, you, if you want me to be your coach, that means you have to go all out to win. Like, I'm not coming there just to, you know, just to take another, just because you're a high major and you're in the area. Like, I'm, if I'm going there, it's to, be, it's to win at the highest level. So, I, I think that, so I think it was kind of twofold, you know, where he was trying to be as confident as possible about Iona, but also kind of sending a message to St. John's. You know, there are obviously meetings and talks once Iona's done, but kind of a message of, you want me? There's some things you guys are going to have to do for me to take this job. Talking to Zach Braziller about March Madness, NCAA tournament, St. John's uh, coaching job, Rick Bettino, and you know, talked before about a lot of times the snub, as I was calling it, that last team who maybe doesn't get in gets a lot of story. But the bigger implications for actually, you know, that last team in is not going to win the tournament. It's really a talking point. The bigger issue, if there are, I don't know if it's snubs, but issues, has to do with seeding. And it does matter in terms of matchups and seeding. Um so I'm curious if you had any problems as you looked at the brackets 
whether that's Texas A&M or I don't know, some others, like, did you have problems with any, um, you know, any kind of major problems with the brackets and seating, some team that you thought was either way underseeded or somebody you thought was way overseeded? Look, Texas A&M is not a number seven seed. They're the second best team in the SEC. They have like 12 quad one and two wins. They have a really good net. They're and the SEC, unless I'm missing it, I mean that was really one of the two best conferences in the in the country this year, right? And they're the number yeah, two I team. Mean, right, yeah, I mean, look, the Big Twelve is clearly the best, and the SEC and the Big Ten were both right there for number two. Yeah, I I think they were completely underseeded last year when they they were on the bubble. They didn't get in. Buzz Williams ripped the committee, so maybe there was some mm, there was kind of a yeah. grudge there. Mm-hmm. I think Creighton as a sixty was underseeded. To me, they're more like a four or five. I think Creighton's a team that could definitely make a make a long run. Uh, and then look, Duke is a five seed. Yeah. It, it's, I understand. Look, I think Duke five or six is fair, but the fact that they put Duke in the East, where they can go through the Garden, where they'll have an incredible support, an incredible home court advantage. We all know Duke has tons of alums in this area. To me, was incredibly unfair. You're putting a, you know, you're putting whoever you know whoever gets through most likely Purdue if Duke gets there at a big disadvantage. And to me, that that really that really stood out. So for when, people, so for people who think there is a uh, a Duke uh, conspiracy, you know, the conspiracy theorists, <laughs> it was basically treating Duke, giving them the privilege as if they were a one seed. Right. So, and now now they'll say, well, it's not a regional advantage because Duke is is in North Carolina and it's not in New York City. But we all know Duke has such a strong you know Northeast presence, and especially in New York City. Those are, that's going to be a Duke home game. It, there's no doubt about it. And what you always hear from the committee is they try not to put the one or two seeds when you get to that second weekend in a, in a, you know, in a regional disadvantage. I just Duke should not be there. They, they shouldn't be there. They're a five seed should not be getting that kind of advantage in the tournament for that second weekend. Now, look, Duke is, 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 a, is not exactly guaranteed. They play really well lately, but they're not a guarantee. I mean, Oral Roberts in the first round is not. That's going to be a tough game. Um, I think Duke will win, but I think they're going to really get pushed there. It is far from a gimme that they even get to Sweet 16. But if they do, they're definitely going to have a ton of support at MSG for that Sweet 16. All right, so who is a, um, you know, kind of a sleeper that you could see, not winning the whole thing, but pulling some upsets, being a Cinderella in this tournament? You know, I mentioned Oral Roberts. Uh, two years ago, they made the Sweet 16, and they have a very similar team, and they're much better when you consider the metrics to what they were two years ago. I really like VCU. I was VCU's been blowing everyone out in the A10. I know the A10's not great this year, but they've been incredibly impressive. They're deep. They're really good defensively. I actually, in, in our you know bracket breakdown tomorrow, I picked VCU to go to the Elite Eight. Um, the you know as a 12 seed, like I said, I think Creighton's an Elite Eight team. I, I really, really like Creighton. They're, they're, so that means know, they would get past uh, VCU would get past UConn. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I, I think VCU's pressure would create a lot of problems for UConn. They, want, they force almost 17 turnovers a game. I just think they've just been playing fantastic, really, the last six six to eight weeks out of the out of the Atlantic Ten. Those are you know those are a few of uh, you know a, 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 just a few of the the teams that you know I think you have. Memphis for Atlanta, I think the winner of that game is, is, is a team that could really create problems as you move forward. 
in a one eight one nine situation. I like those teams a lot. I think it's a look. I think it's really balanced. You know, we've been I've been saying it all year. There really is not one team that would surprise me if they didn't make the final four, and I still feel that way. I think it's completely wide open. And look, you know, we'll we'll see once it gets going, but there is really no super team. For people who want to put a little bit more time in and do some uh, some research um, as they look at it, what are some of the factors that you look at and say these correlate most with success in the tournament? And and I'll just give you a few, and you tell me what you think is important, whether that's veteran guard play, you know, experience with guards, or great coaching, or, you know, we mentioned Duke, getting hot and peaking at the right time, or um, how important is is depth? I mean, there's all kinds of different uh, potential factors. What what should people look at if they're filling out their brackets? I think experience is really important. I, you know, really do. I, I the The freshman is kind of you know the the big freshman star is something that's that's faded in time. We obviously part of that. Some of these some of these top freshmen now don't go to college. I think experience is key. I think how a team plays away from home is really important because we obviously these are all neutral sites and these teams aren't playing their home arena. I you know so you get a team are, like Maryland as an example. I think they were right. something like you know a two and nine on the road or whatever it was. They were a, a very good home team, bad road team. Right. I mean because obviously these are all new. Um, mm-hmm you know, new, new arenas for these teams. So I always like to see teams that they play well on the road or at, or at neutral sites. And look, we all know guard, guard play is so important in college, especially in March. Teams that have good guards are, are usually are the teams that, that go the furthest. You know, I do think, but I do think tournament experience, but also tournament experience is really important because sometimes these teams have never been there before they get there. They're nervous and, you get off to a bad start sometimes, and there's really no there's no way to recover. And the last thing is just you know luck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to be honest, I mean, you know, it, as much as we try to be experts and study everything, a lot of times it's just you know it's it's luck, it's fluke. I mean, it's who could have imagined St. Peter's on the Elite Eight last year or something like that. A lot of a lot of times it's just it's just crazy stuff seems to happen and. Sometimes you just guess right. Yeah. Uh, all right. So before I let you go, let's look at it. Who do you have in your final four uh, matchup? And uh, take us through final four, the championship game. Who do you have winning as people are filling out their brackets? Well, I have it in the paper. So let's 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 go with what I picked in tomorrow's New York Post. <laughs> um, Texas, Alabama. Um, Gonzaga and Kansas State, a few, a few kind of Ooh, out of the box. Kansas picks. State is is definitely out of the box. Yeah, I mean, look, they're the three seed. They have a really nice team. I, I, it would be a great storyline if they end up in New York City. They have about four city guys on their team, led by their part, point guard Marquise Noel. You know, they they had a really good year under first year coach Jerome Tang. Keontae Johnson, just a fantastic story. He's a kid who he collapsed. From you know, he had, they found out he had myocarditis. He collapsed on the floor two years ago, past December. He came back this year and has had an absolutely fantastic year. They got a, they got a ton of great stories. They had a really good year. You know, one thing that I you know you kind of ask me like, what do you think you look for? 
one thing that I'm going to do this year, and I'm going to suggest, is I'm going to ride the Big 12. I think the Big 12 was absolutely awesome this year. I think those teams are going to be so well prepared for this tournament just because of how tough that league was. Um, seven out of ten teams made the tournament. You got teams like TCU and Iowa State that didn't even really fin- you know that finished like kind of the middle of that pack of that league were really really good teams. So that's kind of that to me is one thing is I think that league is going to absolutely clean up this month. All right, uh, and then that's your final four. Who do you have in the championship game? Who do you have at winning it all? I, I, look. I wrote in the paper, the best player and the best team win. I'm picking Alabama to win it all. I, I just, I think Brandon Miller is by far the best player yep. in the country. He's the best NBA prospect. We all know about the off the court stuff. Yep. But he has handled the everything very well. I love their team. I think Nate Oates is a really good coach. I, I think Alabama is going to win it all. Yes, they're the number one overall seed. So I'm, I'm going a little boring, but I am yeah. allowed because I do have a few. Like I have a four seed, I have a three seed, so I'm not going completely chalk. I, but I really, really like Alabama. I think Miller is that good. I think the rest of his supporting cast is that good. I think Alabama is going to win it all. Yeah, it's hard to find a weakness with Alabama in terms – I mean, anybody, as you said, luck can have a bad day, all of that. But they have the top NBA prospect, like best player that is playing in the tournament, you know, that's playing in college, you know, not including guys who played in the G League or overseas or any of that. So they have they have a top three um, NBA draft pick leading this team in Miller, and yet they're uh, you, you have you know you, uh, Quinterly you have you know good good um, set, you know good guard play you have three point shooting you have length you have size inside and you know defensive presence you have you know it just seems like um, as you said well coach just seems like Alabama. Um, unless they're having an off day and playing poorly, there's not a real weakness on that team. Yeah, I, I, think they're, I think they're the most complete team in the country. You know, And it's not just being the most complete. It's being the most complete with the best player. And right. if you look at what they did in the SEC, I mean, they, they absolutely dominated the SEC. There were one-sided victories you know, all season. They had, they had maybe two hiccups with Oklahoma Lost a bad one in Oklahoma, but they were just, they were so consistent. And I don't even think they played great late in the year, which is what's so impressive is they kept winning, even though they weren't playing at their best. And now you see what they did in the SEC tournament. I think they're really kind of back, back hitting their stride. And, you know, I, I do think they're going to cut down the net to Houston. Yeah. Look, um, Miller shot poorly on on you know today um, in the SEC tournament and still you know went off for over 20 points and uh and overall they just um yeah and they just dominated so all right i agree with that one um alabama i did um i had marquette instead of uh case state um in that i don't know i sh- sh- there's there's a good vibe about Shaka smart and as you point out with the Garden, I understand Duke has an advantage there, no doubt about it, but um, Marquette is certainly comfortable playing at the Garden. Um, so I'm going with them in that side. Oh, I, I like Marquette a lot, too. I mean, they were obviously great at the Garden this week. Shock has done a great job. Tyler Kolick, fantastic. I mean, you know, they're, they're clearly a Final Four contender. I mean, um, you know, if you watch them this week, I, I don't think anyone would disagree that they could easily make it. Yeah, so I went with them. All right, 
Zach Braziller. He's got his uh, predictions and uh, coverage in tomorrow's post or uh, frequently, Zach. It's available at some point in the middle of the night online. Um, but uh, you should be following if you're not. Really appreciate the time. We'll catch up with you soon. No problem. Have a good night. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.